In these talks, um, sometimes when we do a talk, we'll be sort of like fixed in one passage in the Bible and we'll kind of work our way through it and draw out what that passage is saying. Um, And sometimes it's more of like a theme where we'll be like dotting around, looking at different Bible passages all over the place. And today's a bit more like that. Um, So... um, I just mentioned that in advance. So, and also, a lot of the Bible passages that I'm going to say today, we're not going to necessarily spend time looking at the context of it all um, and explaining that, which I know is not ideal. You're not supposed to do that. Um, but hopefully I'm not taking anything too far out of context. And um, the reason I mention that is because th- this theme that I'm speaking about today, just in the, in the last couple of weeks, I've just been feeling in my heart that it's something that could be helpful. And there might be some people who really could benefit in from hearing about this today. The theme that I want to talk about is labels. Labels. Labels are everywhere, of course, aren't they? Like, I don't know, if I was to ask you how many labels um, you're, you brought to church with you, or if you're at home, how many labels you're wearing at the moment, um, if you think about it, if the answer's less than five, I'd encourage you to think again. Um, you know, think about what's in your pockets, um, you know, the things that you're carrying, what's out there in the car park, all the labels. We live in a world where everything's covered in labels, isn't it? And in this Western culture, um, we learn pretty uh, sort of young in life also that that these labels matter, that some labels are aspirational. Um, I remember learning that lesson when I was at secondary school, around about year eight, one day, one of the cool kids rocked up to school in a pair of these. They're called kickers. Does anybody remember kickers? They were basically popularity in a shoebox. And within a week of this kid turning up, every parent had been begged relentlessly to get down to Freeman, Hardy and Willis and shell out for a pair. And the girls weren't left out of this. They had their equally irresistible version of them. Yes, according to Cosmopolitan magazine, the day your mum finally caved and bought you your first pair of kickers will forever be etched in your memory. Extra props to you if you manage to nab a pair in non-regulation colour, you rule breaker you. I don't know if your parents caved. Mine did not. Uh, they didn't, nor did they cave on Adidas Predator football boots or Levi 501s, Reebok pumps or the Wilson Hammer tennis racket. None of that stuff. But as a Western kid growing up in a capitalist culture, I learned that these labels, they actually mattered. Um, Some were really aspirational, others unacceptable, or only acceptable within the confines of chess club. Nobody ever, like, sat down and explained this to me, but you kind of picked it up. And do do you know what I mean? We picked up these labels, they matter. And, um, you know, whether it's just a slogan on a T-shirt... They affected the way people saw us. And they, and they even had the power to affect the way we felt about ourselves. Around about the same time, I also learned that this is true of the, the personal labels that we give one another. The words like geek, cool, sporty, attractive, or fit, as we used to say at school. Goth, towny, hard, or even better, well hard. <laughs> Popular. And then, of course, loads of negative labels. And, and some of these labels, like those, are some were aspirational, others you'd rather peel off. And it was often these negative ones that were hard to get rid of. You couldn't change them as easily as you could a pair of shoes. I remember at school, I was so desperate to be sporty and popular. Um, but the problem was, I, I ran the 100 metres in about 20 seconds. I had a similar BMI to a seal pup. I was short, overweight... 
And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was mentioning how amazing the pituitary gland is, you know, the gland that triggers growth hormones. Mine decided that puberty was a job that could just be put off for a few years. And so secondary school, let's just say we didn't set the dating scene alight. There wasn't a cue. And I learned that um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will leave lasting scars that, ye that need years of prayer and healing. Labels, especially the negative ones, can stick, leave scars. And I'm sure probably all of us in the room have been given labels at some point that we didn't want. And if that's you, at least we're in good company because even Jesus had that problem. You know, when Jesus started his ministry and started to teach, people said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Or, or when Nathaniel, one of Jesus' followers, first heard about, you know, this guy Jesus who'd come from Nazareth, he said, Nazareth? Can, anyone, can anything good come from there? So what are the labels that you, that you brought with you today? I'm just going to list a load. And, I, you know, just m maybe mentally, just count how many in your head apply to you. Single, divorced, husband, wife, widow, boomer, millennial, Gen Z, Victim, offender, addict, counsellor, parent, leader, follower, director, partner, autistic, dyslexic, bipolar, depressed, professor, unemployed, straight, trans, queer, middle class, working class, labour, conservative, white, black, Asian, parent, carer, disabled, rich, poor. Of course, I could go on and on and on. We're brilliant as humans, aren't we, at, at, at making these labels up? And I suspect you'll find all of that list and many more in this room today. Some of these labels are aspirational. We might choose them. We might um, desire or aspire to them. Some of these labels, maybe we wish we could discard. Some of these labels, we wish other people understood them the way that we do. About 10 years ago, I heard a talk all about this topic by an American um, pastor called Andy Stanley. And it was a talk that he gave to a bunch of teenagers, um, a youth talk. And it just struck me. I, I listened to it. I thought, this is profound. And, and I really wish that somebody had sat me down and told me this stuff when I was that age. And the real crux of it was this question that Andy asked. Who has the right to label you? Who has the right to label you? And, um, and he suggested that the answer to this question has the potential to shape your entire life and, 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 and your willingness to embrace the answer to this question has a massive impact on the direction and the quality of your life. And, and I was thinking, I just reminded of it the other day, driving along, and I, I thought, oh yeah, this would be a good question for us to reflect on today. And I've actually borrowed some of Andy's points for this talk. Because it's only when we understand who has the right to label us that we begin to understand which labels matter most. Now, before you skip onto the textbook answer, I know probably we're all, you know, we all know, don't we? Who has the right to label you? God, of course, yeah, we know the answer. But I just want to slow down for a second and go th approach that question through a certain sort of like logical perspective. So here's, a, here's another question to help us get there. If you think about this, who has the right to label anything? Like, who has the, the right to label something? If you think the th about the things that surround us, that have got labels on them, who was it that got to put the labels on them? And I want to highlight three types of people. First, the manufacturer. You know, the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, everything that we buy usually bears 
the manufacturer's logo. If you're the manufacturer, you have the right to label it. You know, when you made a pot or something at school and you put your initials on it because you had made it, it was your right to do that. Second person who gets to label things is the owner. And you think if you've ever been out into the countryside and seen sheep in the field with those markings on them, this is something that farmers have been doing for centuries, um, marking their livestock, branding them to, to count them, but also to signify ownership to make sure that mine don't get mixed up with yours. It reminds me of um, when I was um, on the youth team here. And whenever we used to go away for a weekend away, we would like gather up loads of equipment and put it on the van and we'd get a big, um, loads of sheets of Trent Youth stickers and we would just put stickers on everything. And it was brilliant because then at the end of the trip away, we could say to the team and the kids, right, just go, run wild. And anything with a Trent Youth sticker, get it on the van because it belongs to us. The only problem was if sometimes those stickers ended up on stuff that didn't technically belong to us. It's all a little bit awkward because we weren't the owner. You know, if I came round your house and I started to label your possessions, you know, toaster, dog, gran, whatever, <laughs> even if I was getting them right, you would probably tell me to stop because I, it's not my stuff, it's yours. Third person who gets to label stuff, the purchaser. You remember when, going back to school again, do you remember those little labels that you used to have in your school uniforms? You know the ones, like they've got a picture of them? Do you remember those? I always used to think, like, Mum, why are you doing this? It's so pointless, until I had kids of my own. And the really expensive shoes got lost before the end of September. And uh, before, the, you know, the, um, what was it? Yeah, my, the, the school PE kit. The whole school PE kit got left on the bus. Great one. So I thought, I'm going to buy these things and I'm going to put my label on them as soon as possible to signify that I am the one who's bought this. So you can probably see where this is all going. Who has the right to label you? Well, it's the one who made you. It's the one who owns you. And it's the one who purchased you. God made you. Psalm 100, verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who made us, and we are his. We are his people. Psalm 139, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. He made you. He owns you. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. He owns you and he purchased you. 1 Corinthians verse 6, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. As Ali said a moment ago, in just under a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be, we're going to be gathering together on Maundy Thursday and Good Friday to reflect on the moment in history when Jesus laid down his life on a cross to purchase us with his blood. So in light of this, who has the right to label you? Who are you going to trust to put labels on you? Whose labels matter most? Is it other people? You know, no matter how clever or important they are, did they make you? Did they own you? Or all the brands and the logos that we embrace, that we kind of aspire to, did the, did the designer clothes companies purchase you? Did, you know, BMW, they're, they're great at making cars, but did they make you? Are we seriously going to let these people label us? Or are we going to allow the one who knows us better than we know ourselves 
the one who knit us together in our mother's womb, the one who purchased us with his own life to have the final say. 1 Corinthians verse seven, um, chapter seven, verse 23, you were bought at a price, do not become slaves of human beings. There's only one person who has the right to label each of us, and it's his labels that matter the most. And I think when we realize this, and it can take years to realize this, but when we do that it's God and God alone, that what he says about me is more important than even what I have to say about myself, that's when we get to open up the Bible and read and receive the amazing things that he says about us, that you are his masterpiece, that you are loved, that you're adopted, you're chosen, you're his co-heir with Jesus, you're part of his body, you're empowered as his agents, you wield his authority, you know, and I could go on and on and on. A friend of mine, Paul, said, God speaks to me through the Bible, and he replaces negative words, not good enough, failure, not man enough, with things like, I am chosen, I'm created in his image. And these words, they're not just empty words. Do you remember what I said? Names have power. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names have the power to transform me because it works both ways. In preparing for this, I I reached out to a few friends and asked them to, to sum up, like, what's this look like for you in practice? How has God helped you to replace old negative labels with positive new ones? And here's just some of the things that people sent back. Somebody said, I've gone from the label not good enough to specially and uniquely made with gifts of shepherding, healing, and prophecy. I've gone from being unlovable to loved unconditionally, from rejected and abandoned to wholly loved. I've gone from divorced and single to never alone and always surrounded by love. Someone said, God replaced the words, I am a failure at, insert the blank here, with you are my son and my son cannot fail. Another friend explained how, how God has, has affirmed his gentle nature, not as a weakness, which some people had said to him in the past, but as a strength. And he said that in itself has made him more bold and confident. Another friend shared a recent situation where they had just been, you know, just in the last few weeks, where they'd been struggling with comparing themselves to others and and um, not thinking they had any gifts. And God prompted somebody to, to sort of share prophetically with them that God sees them, that God appreciates them and wants them to continue to use the gifts that they have. The Bible says, you know, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. And this is what it looks like in practice as he, he lovingly peels off these old negative labels and he replaces them with labels of his truth. One friend um, said, recalled it like this. They said, when I finished university, having not done as well as I'd hoped or maintained my integrity in the way I'd set out, God renewed my identity when I turned to him from a lazy, lying cheat to a loved son living in his power. And that one really reminds me of, um, of the, one on, the one behind me, the one in the Bible that's John, Jesus' friend, John one of Jesus' closest friends, he explained that to those who, who, who accept the rightful claim of God on our lives, who, who accept him as our Lord and our saviour, recognise him as our maker, our owner, our purchaser, he said, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become 
children of God. I think that's the label that for me just sums it all up. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And um, Paul, the, the New Testament writer Paul, in his letter to the churches in Galatia, he makes a similar point. He says, so in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. What, what an amazing thing. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. Your, your identity has been swallowed up in the person of Jesus. And so there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And, and here, what I, don't, I don't think he's sort of dismissing the reality of these other labels like Jew and Gentile, male, female, slave, free. He's not dismissing their reality. I just think he's making the point that those labels are now secondary. The labels that God gives you, the identity that we have in Christ, it supersedes all of that, such that those old labels, they no longer define us. And also they no longer, we're united in Christ in a way that those old labels have lost their power to divide us and keep us apart. And so what this means in practice is that, you know, do you remember that massive list of labels that I reeled off a few minutes ago? All of those labels, husband, wife, job, all the rest of it, I'm not making any particular comment on whether they're good or bad or indifferent. I'm simply saying they're all secondary. They're all secondary. They no longer define the way we see ourselves ultimately when we choose to place our identity in Jesus. And, you know, it's... When I think about this personally, many of the negative labels that I had when I was a teenager back those days, I've still got them, you know? I mean, you're probably surprised, but I, in the end, I didn't materialize into an amazing athlete. Um, you know, I would probably settle for 20 seconds for the 100 meters now. That would be a good result. I'm still short, I'm not good at football, but of course, those things, they don't define who I am. They no longer matter to me in the way they did. They've been superseded, along with all the other labels too. And even the, the positive labels that I've kind of picked up through my life over the years, things like being a pastor, I love that, or passing exams, that was great. Whatever else, none of those things define me. All these man-made labels have had to give way to the primary thing that defines me now, that I am a child of God. I'm all right in his eyes. And everything else has to fit around that. It has to take its place under that. So, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you today? How are you going to respond? It might be that, like Ali mentioned, that you might be here and you're on sort of the beginning of your journey of exploring faith. You're, you know, figuring out what, who God is. And if that's you, and you wouldn't necessarily label yourself as a Christian... Um, we'd say it's wonderful that you're here and that you're on that journey. We love that and really would encourage you, as Ali said, to, to sign up to that Alpha course. It's an amazing place where you can explore the meaning of life, ask questions, find out what you believe about God. Sign up for that. Um, others of us, perhaps you might be here, and today is the day that it's time to peel a label off. Perhaps a label that's been stuck on you for years spoken over you, hurled at you. Perhaps it's a label that you're the only person in the world that knows that you bear it, but the Lord does too. And in a moment, we're gonna have a ministry time and um, um, when others get here, we might you know, share some labels that we think the Lord might be highlighting. 
Um, and if that applies to you, that's wonderful. But I'd also say, don't wait for somebody to supernaturally identify. If there's a label that you know you've been carrying, come forward in a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to peel it off, to snip it off. Others of us, we might have labels that, you know, we don't necessarily need to take them off, um, but they need to be put in their place. As I've kind of, you know, uh, made the point, if we're a Christian, our primary identity is first and foremost, it's, it's not our age or our gender or our job or our bank balance or our race or our sexuality, our relationship status. And some of us, we can get really attached to those labels, especially if we've had to work hard for them or especially if we've had to make sacrifices for them or if we're longing for them. We can put them on a pedestal, but if we allow them to become the focus of our lives, it, it, it cuts us off from living in our true identity. And so they need to be put in their place. There's a moment of, of recalibration and I would say even a moment of repentance, a change in direction. For some of us, the thing that, that we might want to do as a result of today is have a conversation with somebody. Um, as I mentioned earlier, this is something that I just wish somebody had explained to me when I was a teenager. And, um, you know, when I thought that life would be solved if somebody would just buy me a pair of kickers, I didn't realise any of this. Um, and so, for some of you, it might be going home and having a conversation with your, with your kids. Who made you? Who owns you? Who purchased you? And... Um, if we think that it's hard to understand labels and identity when we were kids, now it's a whole other ball game. Um, and if you've got little kids, um, I would just recommend, if you've not read it before, this book here called You Are Special by Max Lucado. A brilliant way to have this conversation. Um, I don't, I'm not a massive fan of the title, You Are Special, but apart from that, it's just a beautiful book, beautiful illustrations, beautiful words. And actually, I'm just going to finish by sharing a little bit from this book. Um, it's a story about these little wooden um, creatures um, called the Wemmicks. And um, they're like a little bit like Pinocchio. And um, they, their whole lives centre around living in this community where they spend time giving each other labels, stars of praise and spots for criticism. And that's how they live. And the main character in the story is a Wemmick called Punchinello. And he has no gifts, he has no special abilities, and consequently no stars, only dots. Where is he? There he is with his dots on. Until one day he meets somebody who's different, um, a person who has no stars and no dots, and she seems to be free. And this friend, she encourages him to go and see the maker, the woodcarver himself, Eli, up in his workshop and find out what it's all about. And so I'm just going to finish by reading how the story ends. Every day I've been hoping that you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met somebody who had no marks, explained Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because... She has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about the stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the workbench and set him on the ground. 
Remember, Eli said, as the Wemmick walked out of the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart, he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. It's a good story, isn't it? 